You've been a successful entrepreneur since you were an 11-year-old boy, and now, with your new tech startup in Dublin, you show no signs of slowing down. Your company, Opinion X, advocates to understand people in all their wonderful complexity. And nowhere was that reinforced more than the summer you spent in the steamy kitchen of a spaghetti factory. You're listening to 2233, a podcast of exchange stories. Each place we visited, I picked up a postcard and we kind of wrote on the back of it the stuff that we did in that town and I have them all stuck up in my bedroom at home now. So like that for me is a personal favorite. For me, the postcards is great. It's something small and for a student, something affordable, uh, but it really brings you back to the time that you had. This week, a new respect for service industry workers trying not to get between a mother bear and her cub, and the creation of Opinion X. Join us on a journey from Ireland to San Diego. It's 2233. We report what happens in the United States, warts and all. These exchanges shaped who I am. When you get to know these people, they're not quite like you. You read about them. They are people very much like ourselves. And oh, that's what we call cultural exchange. So my name is Daniel Kine. I'm from a small town in Ireland called Kilcock. It's about an hour from the capital city, Dublin. I just finished my summer work and travel program during the summer of 2019. I was working in the old spaghetti factory in San Diego, right around the corner from the convention center. So that's where Comic-Con happened. So it was a crazy area, really busy during the summer. And yeah, I really enjoyed the beautiful city of San Diego. So the summer work and travel program is pretty famous in Ireland. It's it's known unanimously as just the J1. So it's doing a J1, going on a J1. And I mean, you can't grow up in Ireland without knowing someone who's done one of the programs. And this extends like generations really uh, so there's people i remember i was on an internship year my boss he did a j1 in new york and um, my cousins two or three of them had just done a j1 the summer before they were in chicago i had loads of friends who were uh, who had done the summer work and travel program so i just grew up hearing all these stories about this sort of coming of age summer that you spend when you're in university where you go to the u.s you get a job in one of these really cool cities and you just explore the country and yeah growing up hearing that I suppose it was just always on our list it was something that we always wanted to do and we really took the opportunity up uh, at the first the first moment we could for me that was all new I pretty much jumped straight into uh, office kind of jobs from the age of like 16 or 17. I mean, one of my first work experience jobs was in a, in a local radio station at home in Kildare FM. Well, my very first job when I was 11 years old, myself and a friend of mine, uh, we set up a petting zoo at home. And that was like my proper first job. We spent like uh, maybe nine months working on setting the pet farm up. We initially, we were just like, 
buying small animals and stuff. And the first exotic animals we bought were two wallabies. So they're kind of like miniature kangaroos. I don't, I don't know what country we got them imported from. We sent out a lot of emails when we were about 11. And more recently, we went back and read through some of them. And some are just crazy. I mean, Mark found an email recently where we had emailed Dublin Zoo asking the zoo where we would go about finding Brazilian tapirs. So we were really trying to find exotic animals. I, I remember getting picked up from school early one day and we went to an alpaca farm and we literally just picked out two alpacas. We were like, we'll take those and we just brought them home with us. So we were going around picking up some, uh, some exotic animals at the time. It's still going very strong. Yeah, it's turned into a huge local business. Mark's family, a lot of them work in it now, so it's a real family run business but for me that was my first experience of what the world of business was like uh, i mean i was rolling in it as an 11 year old i was making so much pocket money uh, i was literally running like little side businesses lending out the money and doing everything so it was a great first experience i i was involved maybe for like two years before we both went uh we finished primary school and went to secondary school so like high or middle school or high school and mark and i ended up in different classes so we weren't as close then but i spent about two years just embedded in in this uh, idea of building out the petting farm we had like a cafe playground a go-kart track and all the animal stuff and we'd run a lot of birthday parties at the weekend i think by the end of the first year we had one weekend where we had like 10 birthday parties in just one weekend so it was like yeah it was a cool experience so I did have a little bit of experience with this sort of customer facing hospitality work, uh, definitely different than a restaurant, but overall the experience in the old spaghetti factory was all new for me. So working in the old spaghetti factory in San Diego was an experience. The restaurant is huge. So it's three stories tall, which is just not like any restaurant that I had seen back home in Ireland. That that in itself was very different. We had, it was quite a big team of staff that were working there. I think there was about 14 or 15 summer work and travel students that were working there as well. So we had a big Irish contingent in the in the kitchen and in the restaurant. And that was really cool. So the, the interactions between the staff, especially because we were in San Diego, the staff was this broad mix between Americans, Mexicans, Mexican-Americans. There's like quite, quite a diverse group of people that were in the kitchen. And the, the exchange of culture between the sides was just nonstop. I mean, we were always trading stories and teaching people new words. We had taught some of the team some uh, some good Irish words when we were there. I mean, I remember when when we first started, one of the new staff had asked us, oh, how long would it take you to drive from San Diego to Ireland? I mean, we so we knew when we were coming in, okay, we're, we're meeting a group of people who have no idea uh, anything about the country that we're coming from. So we really took on the experience of, of sharing cultures throughout that. <laughs> Overall, the experience working in the old spaghetti factory was was pretty laid back. I mean, the restaurant runs super smoothly. They have a great team of staff that are working there. We were really hired to work there, especially for the week before and the week of Comic-Con. And all hands were on deck for Comic-Con. That 
affects the city just turns upside down. We spend a week working longer hours in the week running up to Comic-Con. And then the morning of, so the very first morning of Comic-Con, we get into work really early. I think it was at 6 or 7 a.m. Everything was set. The restaurant opened at maybe 8. And within 10 minutes, the ice machine had broken and the elevator had broken. So that was just Comic-Con to a T right there. Most of the time we were actually working on Dish, myself and my friend Connor, who we were both over together from Ireland. We did though sometimes work on the, the salad team for us. The, the girls on the team, they got a much better job. I mean, they were doing like garlic cheesy breads and pasta dishes. So they picked up the real, the real tricks when it comes to the recipes. We were, we were doing salad, so it wasn't as exciting overall, but uh, yeah, we, we still picked up a few good tricks. It was a big kitchen team because it was such a big restaurant. So most of us were back there, but that just gave us more opportunity to interact with the other staff. So that, that was good fun. Well, I think one of the first things that I knew very quickly after joining was that my attitude towards people who work in the service industry just completely changed. I mean, those guys are working and it's so different to the sort of work I had done before. I mean, it's you don't get as much breaks. You're on your feet all day. I think the level of respect that I have for people who work in service and hospitality industries just went through the roof after that. So that's definitely one thing I would take away from it. I had just come to the summer work and travel program after spending a whole year on an internship year at Unilever over in London. It was a lovely office environment. We were all, everyone was very laid back. And then going into this like crazy, hectic sort of work environment, I think there, there's some lessons that can be learned from the intensity that you can bring to a different job and the amount of work that people can do. So that that's probably another thing. But yeah, it's more so just the, the respect that I think you build for people who work in that area. In Ireland, especially because it's a small country, we get a lot of media and entertainment from the UK and the US in particular. So we, like you grow up seeing movies and TV shows that show you what American life is like. So there's no way you can come over here without a list of assumptions of what American people are like and what the country's like. And a lot of those are, are true in ways. I mean, American people are pretty crazy a lot of the time. They're, it's so, such an extroverted culture. People are really willing to always engage with you. And I think Ireland can be a little bit more reserved at times in comparison to that. So that was a fun thing to just dive all the way in on i mean especially in the again hospitality uh, people's customer service is just I, I always find it fascinating it's just this level of extreme positivity i love playing into that so that was something i, I did straight away i love kind of like trying to match the level that people had
people just love to hear that you're Irish. I mean, everybody in the US has some link to Ireland. I think there's probably more Irish people in the US than there is in Ireland itself. Um, but the reaction is always great. I mean, that's again, something that we kind of knew we were going to get when we when we come over. There's a lot of American tourists that come to Ireland anyway. So I've, I've seen the reaction a little bit before the summer work and travel program. But I mean, it is nonstop. I, and I kind of love that. I mean, we all we all went dived right into that as well. For a lot of those people, I think in our head, they don't get to meet Irish people all that often. The funniest part for me always when I meet someone who has an Irish connection is is always the first question I always have is where where is your connection from? Like where in Ireland do you trace your family back to? And there's two different types of answers you can get. So there's the kind of person that you know actually knows a little bit more and they'll be able to tell you like what county they're from uh, but then there's the sort of person who is obviously just kind of like traced it back online and what they know is is like some obscure road or townland that I mean I have never heard of and when you get that sort of reaction that you just smile and nod I mean there's nothing else you can do but we we got reactions everywhere we went I remember one time uh, we were like going through the desert near Joshua Tree and we were tired. I mean, I, it was one of the only times I got a little bit sunburned during the summer, which is an achievement considering how pale I am and, and all of us were. But we had, I had gotten a little bit sunburned. So I was basically trying to like hide myself away in, in this restaurant when we were ordering. And as I was up at the till saying what, what order I wanted, I literally opened my mouth for like two words. And I just got this hand. It just like landed on my shoulder. I turned around and it was just this woman. And she was like, are you guys Irish? And then I, so we, we jumped straight into it. I'm like, yeah, we're, we're from Ireland. We're over here for the summer. And it's a reaction we get sometimes. She was like, my husband's family is from Scotland. And we're like, ah, cool, Scotland. I think we had been out for the day on Pacific Beach and we were heading back home to get ready before a day of work. And it was just myself and my friend Connor who were in the car and we get in and the driver hears our accent and it says straight away, are you guys from Ireland? And we said, yep. And expecting the same sort of conversation we usually get, we, we were just ready to, to hit this, the same sort of answers as always. But he surprised us. He said, so I had a group of Irish guys in the car this morning and they taught me about what the Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland is. And we we're like, oh, interesting. Like, that sounds pretty cool. And then he said, okay, so we have 20 minutes on this journey. Can you guys teach me what Brexit is? I mean, we were just in our element. We were just waiting all summer for someone from America to ask us a question like this. So we dived straight in. And by the end of that Uber trip, that man knew everything there was to know. All the political parties, what the EU was, what Brexit is, Ireland. He learned way more than he bargained for. And we even set him up. I think we set him up on his next question to find out more about what the EU was. So it was literally just this like learning experience for him where every time he'd meet some Irish people, he'd know what his next question was and he'd come away with another question for next time. And that, that really stuck with me as like a really cool way of experiencing different cultures that you come across uh, so I really like that one
well another time definitely that that was a proud moment for irishness in general was the civic leadership summit that i did in washington dc so that was a really cool experience. It was 40 people uh, who were all on the summer work and travel program from 38 different countries, all brought together in Washington, D.C. for four days. Uh, there was people representing countries that I'd never met anyone from before. I mean, there was uh, one girl from Tajikistan. Uh, there was quite a few people from, uh, there was a lot of people representing small countries from Southeast Asia and Africa who were there, a good few countries from Latin America and the Caribbean. So there was a girl who was in my group for from Belize. I mean, I've definitely never met anyone from Belize. And I mean, they came in with all the stereotypes you can possibly have for what Ireland is. And by the end of it, seeing everybody gain an element of culture from other people's countries that was that was really cool and uh yeah i definitely taught them a few tricks i i made sure and i to find a good uh irish bar in washington dc to bring them all to and uh, i think we taught them a few little songs here and there as well so yeah that was great too We spent two nights at Yosemite. We didn't camp in the grounds, but we were near nearby. And the first day we arrived, we had to drive all the way down from Lake Tahoe. So we arrived a little bit later than we had planned and we weren't gonna get to do a full hike that day. But we drove up quite high into one of the mountains. And then we did like a short trail that led us to one of the, the highest peaks that was there. And it was only gonna take like an hour and a half an hour to an hour and a half overall and we finished the first peak and we still had some time so we said we were going to go down onto like a little valley and up to a second peak and we we're on the way down i was standing at the back of the group with one of my friends and the other six of the group just come running towards us and they're just like bear 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 and they're so they were freaking out uh and they were like get out of here and myself and my friend connor are like absolutely not we are seeing this bear like where this is not fair all of you saw it we didn't see it we want to see this this bear so we kind of snuck along the trail a little bit and then we saw like a little bit down one of the slopes we were looking around and then we just see this bear face just kind of staring up at us and we stared at this bear and we were like oh god what do we do now and then we just looked and then we like lost sight of him for a second and then we just see him sprinting down the slope like running away from us just this massive bear so we're like okay that's cool that's a the tick off the bucket list so we join back up with the group we start walking back and then like 15 minutes later we see another bear and we're like no way okay we're stuck now because there's a bear behind us and a bear in front of us and then we're looking and we're like okay no it's two bears and it was like a mama bear and a cub. So we, we knew, we had read up a little bit before we had gone to Yosemite on what we should do in these sort of situations. And we knew that it was extremely rare even to come across a bear in Yosemite in the first place. Like people can be going for years and never see them. And if you if you pretty much just stay calm, don't do anything, it'll go away. But the, the baby bear was so curious that he starts kind of like running up, up trying to get closer to us and and yeah so then we were kind of freaking out we were like what do we do and that was definitely just this surreal moment that I, I so I recorded a little bit of a, a video of it but overall I would love to have seen the reaction back home to this group there was like the eight of us the, like the Irish group we had bumped into like an Eastern European group and an Asian group so, and neither of those groups spoke English and we were all just kind of stuck together in the middle of this trail trying to figure out and communicate together what we should be doing with this like little baby bear trying to play with us. Thank you.
it's easy to come over to the US and see it as a country. And, and my perspective on it now is, to be honest, it's more like a continent overall. And no matter what city you go to or state you go to, or even just one town over from another, the culture completely changes between each of those. And I was lucky enough that on my summer work and travel program, I, I ended up getting to see nine states throughout the US, East Coast and West Coast. And I think overall what I took away is that this is an enormous place and there's so many different types of people so many different traditions and cultures that you can experience in it and not to judge it just based off one stereotype overall When I did the Civic Leadership Summit with CIEE in Washington, D.C., part of the, the program is that the people who have been picked are working on social impact projects back home. So I've been working for about a year, meeting people, talking about what way technology can help people in government to better interact with citizens and include them within like a bottom-up decision-making model. So I've been researching this for a while and meeting a lot of people but I never really pitched it publicly before, other than small meetings that I'd had. And at the Civic Leadership Summit, on the, the last day of it, there was, I think, five projects or four projects that were picked out of the 40 participants to get up on, on stage and pitch it on front of everybody that was there. So pitching Opinion X on front of everybody was like a particularly proud moment for me as well. And even since since pitching it in, in August, I ended up coming back to Dublin in September. I've, I met a co-founder, my co-founder Dara, uh, who's the CTO of the project now. We ended up getting uh, our first funding from Enterprise Ireland at home in the in October and started an accelerator program in November we've built our first product and we're launching it for with our first paid pilot at the end of March so since then I mean it kind of kicked the snowball effect together considering it traces back in a way to that as a key moment along the way that that for me is a particularly proud moment Opinion X is like an online qualitative survey tool. So, uh, I mean, everybody kind of hates doing online surveys. They're, they're a bit of a tricky business. Um, but what we're building Opinion X as is a platform that people can come together, uh, interact with each other and submit what their opinion is. And through machine learning that we've built, we're able to identify what are the key groups, opinion groups within the population. And then also we can figure out from statements that people have written themselves what statements are overlapping consensus so what statements do the majority of people agree with and that helps decision makers or organizations move from an approach where everybody's focused on what divides people up what are the like three most divisive things about this topic to a position where they can see here's the 10 most supported elements of this argument so it helps them do their job easier and, and do it in a more informed and higher quality way and it also helps people be more involved in the process as well so we built it out right now as, as more of like a qualitative research tool that uh, we're launching with Dublin City University Students Union in March. But what we're working towards building it into is what we call a digital citizens assembly. So a citizens assembly is this really cool thing that came out of Ireland around, uh, to, well, it, it's 
traces back to ancient Athens, but it was launched in Ireland in 2010, 2011. And it's, it's this like a governance innovation where 100 or 99 random people from around the country are selected and they all come together one weekend a month. And they, there's a number of different experts that are brought in the group, the 99 people form little groups and talk about the topic and they end up voting on a number of recommendations that they've created themselves and then those recommendations go into the government to be representative of the entire country so it's this really cool model and it's been used to tackle some really key issues that have been kind of impasse problems that haven't been able to have been solved for sometimes decades and within a few months after the citizens assembly it just creates a, a road forward because it unites people behind a, a supported subject so what we're trying to build opinion x into is to be a digital citizens assembly where we could have a hundred or hundred thousand people come together to to debate and have a conversation about a topic and then identify a clear route forward to to more progress behind whatever issue it is One moment in particular that definitely feeds into it was, again, the Civic Leadership Summit. So the summit in general was like a pivotal moment for me throughout my work and travel program. But at the Civic Leadership Summit, they bring in the World Justice Project on, I think, the second day of the summit. So they put up a link and everybody could go into this one website and they would put up questions and people would, uh, would submit answers to it. And there was this one question that was put up where it said, I believe that politicians in my country are corrupt. And like for me coming like from an Irish perspective, I, I was very quickly said no. Like I, I, I have quite a strong belief behind politicians at home. And out of the I think there was thirty eight people participating in it as as participants of the summit, and thirty-five said corrupt. And I that just blew my mind. And a few people, once that question had come up, stood up and spoke to their own experience. There's one one participant in, in particular, her name was Blessing. She was from Zimbabwe. And Blessing, in her story about her own experience at home, she it was quite an emotional story that she told. And there were definitely a few tears, both from her and in, in the audience. But it just completely blew away my own perception of what people's experience and perspective is it, it really opened up my own thinking for how singular my own point of view is i think that's something that i've taken away quite a lot uh, and i i use it as a story to reset my own thinking about what the world is and that feeds into opinion x hugely i mean what what we kind of use as our tagline a little bit is that we help organizations to understand people and all their wonderful complexities and i think the complexity and the diversity of opinion that i saw at the civic leadership summit really hit home for me that it's it's a force of positivity and it's something that you should really try and harness and yes it can be complex but if if you know how to use it in the right way and how to really understand it it can be a real force for good so yeah that's something that i think feeds directly into what we're doing now at opinion x
right now, as I'm finishing my final year of college, and we've been working on Opinion X, and we're planning to to raise further investment and turn it into a real company. I mean, we're preparing for what's going to be quite a long haul, and the summer that I spent here, I just think that was something you can't miss. I've been quite concerned about just jumping straight into like building a career and getting going without taking that time to just spend a summer where you're you're not doing a job that is like you're you're not doing it to build your cv you're not doing it for that you're doing this because you want to build the life experience you want to build the stories to share you want to build the the memories with friends that you went and and spent time with like for me that was why i did this in the first place um, right now, as I'm thinking about preparing for turning Opinion X into a, to a fully fledged company, I don't think I'd be as ready to jump into that if I hadn't spent a summer just exploring a country with friends and really not worrying so much about what I was going to do with my life, not not worrying about all those sort of pressures that people can put on you as you come to the end of finishing college. So yeah, that's what I take away from this experience. It's it's the the personal enrichment of spending time a little bit carefree, exploring travel with a group of friends. So the thing that I think back to most when when I think about what makes me optimistic about the world from my experience on the summer work and travel program relates back to the experience I had here in DC for the Civic Leadership Summit. So spending that time with these people from so many countries that I'd never met someone from before, I just saw how universal all of the things we go through are like it's so easy to kind of draw the borders think of where you're from has its own unique experience of the world and yeah we do have our unique cultures but our experience of the world is just completely universal and i think realizing that through the stories and the songs and the values that came out through the civic leadership summit i just think that makes you feel like everybody is just kind of a person at the end of the day and no matter what sort of big issues people have and whatever differences people are able to draw between themselves and others at the end of the day everyone's just a person anyway so it that was particularly fitting considering we were going around looking at like the lincoln memorial these enormous statues of huge people who had such big impact on the world and that, and that still relates back to that that core learning that like each of those people were just a person there's just one person they had the same life experience in a lot of ways that we do and yeah if you just take that attitude going forward like you can you can tackle whatever you want to tackle Twenty Two Thirty Three is produced by the collaboratory an initiative within the u.s state department's bureau of educational and cultural affairs better known as eca my name's Christopher Wurst. I'm the director of the Collaboratory. 2233 is named for Title 22, Chapter 33 of the U.S. Code, the statute that created ECA. And our stories come from participants of U.S. government-funded international exchange programs. This week, Daniel Kine shared stories from his time as a summer work and travel participant working at the Spaghetti Factory in San Diego, California. 
For more about summer work and travel and other ECA exchange programs, check out eca.state.gov. We also encourage you to subscribe to 2233. You can do so wherever you find your podcast. And hey, while you're at it, leave us a nice review. And we'd love to hear from you. You can write to us at ecacollaboratory at state.gov. That's E-C-A-C-O-L-L-A-B-O-R-A-T-O-R-Y at state.gov. Photos of each week's interviewee and complete episode transcripts can be found at our webpage at eca.state.gov slash 2233. And now you can follow us on Instagram at 22.33 underscore stories. Special thanks to Daniel for his stories and good work in the world. Ana Maria Sinatine did the interview and I edited this episode. Featured music was Heliotrope by Blue Dot Sessions, Spaghetti Rag by Ray Anthony, Knowing the Truth by Poddington Bear, and two songs by Josh Woodward, The Dreamers, and I'll Be Right Back, Josephine. Music at the top of each episode is Sebastian by How the Night Came, and the end credit music is Two Pianos by Tagirlius. Until next time. Twenty two thirty three is produced by the Collaboratory, an initiative within the U.S. State Department's Bureau of Educational and Cultural Affairs, better known as ECA. My name's Christopher Worst. I'm the director of the Collaboratory. Twenty two thirty three is named for Title twenty two, Chapter thirty three of the U.S. Code, the statute that created ECA. And our stories come from participants of U.S. government funded international exchange programs. <laughs>